I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to St. Luke chapter 5. St. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1 through 11. Now, when we look at the sea in which Jesus Christ was gathered at, in, in the Scriptures, sometimes it's mentioned as the Sea of Gennesaret, other times the Sea of Tiberias, and other times the Sea of Galilee. Galilee is the most common name for the sea, and Jesus is at the sea preaching. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. Amen. Verse 1, And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the Word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and this would be Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, for a great catch. And Simon answering and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, two ships, so that they began to sink. Now that's a big catch. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught or the massive catch of fish which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want to draw your attention to the little phrase made where Jesus Christ, in verse 3, asked Simon to take the boat and thrust it a little bit out from the land. That's found in verse 3. He asked Simon Peter, take the boat and just launch it out a little bit into the water. I want to use for a subject tonight, hold the boat. Let me be seated. Hold the boat. Now, I'm, be, I'm looking at the miracle of fishing, and I doubt if anyone in this room would qualify for the miracle of fishing. I've had some good times fishing, but I've never had the miracle of fishing. Jesus Christ gives us two places in the Bible where there is a massive catch of fish 
One at the beginning of his ministry and one at the end of his ministry. Don't miss that. At the beginning of his ministry, there was a massive catch of fish. And at the same time, he caught his apostles. And at the end of his ministry, after he rose again from the dead, there was another massive catch of fish. You find the first massive catch of fish in Luke chapter 5. You just saw it so large and so incredible that the two ships began to sink because there were so many fish. At the end of the ministry of Jesus, when he rose again from the grave, getting ready to return to heaven, we find in the 21st chapter of St. John, verse 1 through 14, where Jesus is standing at the shore. The disciples had been fishing all night, and the resurrected Jesus stands at the shore and asks them if they'd taken anything. The story is that Jesus told him to cast the net on the right side, and amazingly, John said, in Revelation, it's the Lord. I wonder how he figured that one out. And they begin to bring in a massive amount of fish. In fact, 153 fish. 153 fish. Now, you say, that's not a very big catch. Really? If I ever went fishing and caught 153 fish, I would call that a miracle time of fishing. I'd call that a massive time of fishing. But I don't want you to miss something that's very powerful in this calling of the, the apostles. And you find three forms of fishing here recorded in Luke 5, Mark chapter 1, Matthew chapter 4, and again in John chapter 21. There's three forms of fishing. Actually, there's four if you look at the pole fishing. Actually, there's a dragnet that... Peter used and the other apostles used to drag in the fish. That's called a dragnet, a huge net that boats would work together and pull the nets into shore and bring massive amounts of fish in through the dragnet. Then there was the, the, the little uh, sling net, just a little uh, net that people would use. That it, it was a hand net. And you'll find in the first chapter of Mark, and the fourth chapter of Matthew, that when oftentimes when the fishermen would fish all night and they'd come to shore, they would stand there at the shore and they'd throw out their little hand net. And you know, they're trying to catch fish. And everywhere they go, they're trying to catch fish. Fishermen don't like to give up. I mean, if they're walking away from the river and there's a mud puddle, they're going to fish in it before they go home. And the apostles are using their Hand net. I said there were three. There's, there's not four forms of fishing, but we'll find the, the hand net, which uh, uh, the fishermen Peter and, and, and John and James and them would use. And basically, what we see in the four, fifth chapter of Luke is the big drag net. And then you see the hand net in chapter one and uh, of Mark in chapter 4 of Matthew. You say, what's this got to do with the sermon? Oh, it's got a lot to do with it. When we see the conclusion of this sermon, you're going to go, wow. I may know the Bible is permeated with good nuggets of gold. 
There's amazing truth. And then there is the uh, simple fishing with a fishing pole. And you find that in Matthew chapter 17, the last miracle. We'll be preaching that Sunday morning, the last miracle of fishing with a fishing pole, where Peter catches a fish, and in its mouth was a coin to pay the taxes for him and Jesus, temple tax. Now, that would motivate you to go fishing if every fish you caught had nuggets of money in it. Amen. I think it's, and I don't want to get into my sermon for Sunday morning, but trust me, that wasn't the only fish that Peter caught. If I'd have caught one with money in its mouth, I'd have kept fishing. I'd have kept looking. And that's why Jesus told him, the first fish you catch, there'll be money in its mouth. You can pay the taxes. Because he knew that Peter wouldn't give up. And of course, it was a dry run after that. Now, Jesus Christ is calling his apostles. He, uh, he's picking out his, his best. And he's going he's gonna to draw them into the ministry. And so Jesus is preaching here in the fifth chapter of St. Luke. And by the way, the, the fishing episode with the hand net in, in Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 4 is not the same as this dragnet in Luke chapter 5. It's two different accounts. Matthew 4 and Mark 1 is the same account. Luke 5 is a different account. And then uh, John 21 is the last account of a massive catch of fish. Now, Jesus is preaching the word, and the Bible says the people are pressing upon him. What that means is they crowded in, and they get clo as close to Jesus as you possibly could. Well, that's good advice. Hello? We want to get as close to Jesus as we possibly can. The problem here physically was this. They were crowding Jesus into the sea. They kept pushing him back. They were pushing him into the sea. He, he tried to back up, and finally he turns to Peter, and, and Peter is washing his net. They're washing their nets, and while he's washing his net, um, probably at the side of the lake, not from the ship, washing the net, and, and Jesus Christ says to Peter, um, he just gets in the boat. This is really cool. Jesus just gets in the boat and sits down. And he says, Peter, thrust me out a little bit from the shore. That was to help him get away from the massive crowds. And he would use the water as amplification to amplify his voice. And there in that boat, Jesus Christ is sitting there alone preaching the word, and Peter's holding the rope. Hold the ship. Hold the boat. And so Peter pushes out the ship a little bit from the water, and he's holding a rope or some means of he's keeping the ship from being taken on out into the sea. And so he's holding the boat while the man of God is preaching. And I want you to know that everybody in this room ought to be holding the boat. While Jesus Christ is speaking to our hearts, we ought to be holding the boat. We need to be standing by the boat, standing by the ship, because Peter is standing there holding the ship in place, 
And while he's standing there holding the ship in place, he's listening to the Word of God. And I want you to understand something that's very important. It wasn't just the crowd that needed to hear the words of Jesus. It was Simon as well. And we as people of this church, we have a whole network of people in our church that holds the boat. We hold the ship. We stand by the boat. We standing by the boat while Jesus is sitting on the throne of his word and he's preaching and he's sharing and his word is verbiating across the waters. And Peter needs to hear, or Simon at this time needs to hear Jesus Christ. Our sound computer technician needs to be holding the boat to listen to the Word of God. Our TV technician needs to be standing by the boat, holding the rope, holding the boat while listening to the Word of God. We should always work at hearing God's Word, our our coffee visitor's room, our, our hospitality room, coffee room, you're holding the boat. You're standing by the ship. But you need to hear the Word of God too. Every one of us that work for God, song leaders and, and uh, our drummer, as crazy as he is, he needs to stand by the boat. Shoot, I don't even want him in the boat. But anyway... But it's okay if he holds the boat. I'm kidding. But I'm not kidding about the fact that everyone in this room, just as Simon Peter needed to hear the words of Jesus Christ. I don't care how busy you are. Busy in the television room. Busy in the PA room. Busy in the in the networks of the church, the different ministries, the coffee room, the different ministries, you need to hear the words of Jesus Christ. I need to hear the words of Jesus Christ. You need to hear the words of Jesus Christ. There is no one in this building, in this church, in the network of this ministry of this church that is exempt from needing the hearing of God's word in your soul. We need to hear the word of God while we hold the boat. Listen to the voice of God. Amen. Sunday school teachers, workers, hold the boat. Nursery workers, hold the boat. We put television sets uh, uh, where we have the uh, video where you can see what's going on in the church. And I realize sometimes the young children is not going to let you watch it. And I realize there's going to be times when you're not going to be able to get involved. But that's why we, Josh and I, purpose in our heart that everybody needs a break. Everybody needs to spend time holding the rope, listening to the word of Jesus Christ, and listen to what God has to say. And so Peter says to, to uh, uh, Jesus says to Simon, launch out. And Jesus sits down in the boat, and he shares the word. What's the difference between the massive catch in Luke 5 and the massive catch of fish in John 21? The difference is 
as Jesus is sitting in the boat in Luke 5, but he's standing on the shore in John 21. Resurrected sovereign God. 153 fish were caught in that chapter 21 in this massive fish catching. 153. I'm told the first decade, actually it was more than a decade, I'm told the first uh, half a century, actually the first century, actually more than that, probably the first millennium after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was 153 nations. 153 nations. And Jesus stands at the shore as the resurrected Son of God and he encourages his people that's out in the waters of labor working and striving to hear his instruction so that they can pull a massive amount of people home to shore, to heaven's shore. As Jesus stands on the shore, resurrected Son of God, he's beckoning his church, pull them ashore. Bring them to my feet. Bring them, bring them in. Dragnet them in. Pull them in to my feet, to my standing power. How's that for a great lesson on the last massive catch, fish catch? But then there's the first one. And I think the first one is so important because Jesus Christ, after he shares the word of God and God's word is just permeating the place, all the time Jesus is preaching, he's drawing people, isn't he? And Simon's hearing his word. And after Jesus gets through preaching, he says to Simon, launch out into the deep for a catch. While Jesus was preaching, not only were people being drawn to Jesus, to his words, there was fish being drawn behind the ship into the deep waters. That's our God. While his word is being preached, he's drawing us to labor, he's drawing us to serve God, but at the same time, he's drawing the fish into waters, into the deep waters to be rescued by the servants and the labors of God. Are you following me? Isn't this beautiful? It's a beautiful analogy of what Jesus Christ is doing. And he says to Peter, launch out into the deep. Now, they had, they had been washing their nets. They were done. And maybe they were throwing out a hand net here and there, but they were done. According to Mark chapter 1, a hand net and... and Matthew chapter 4, hand net. But the, the fact is that Peter had washed his net. He, the net was washed. He was washing his net when Jesus Christ came. And Jesus Christ says to him, let me, let me get out there in the water a little bit. Let me sit down out there in your boat. And he just gets in the boat, sits down, shares the word of God, and Peter's holding the rope. He's holding the boat. And we as God's people in this church need to learn to hold the boat. Take care of the house of God. Take care of the work of God. Take our place in the position that God's called us to so that we can stand by the boat, stand by the ship as Jesus shares the word of God. Amen. And so Jesus says to Simon, launch out into the deep. And Simon said, we have toiled all night. 
That's why we've been using this little hand net. We ain't caught nothing. And we've sweated and we've labored and we've toiled all night. They've taken nothing. But he said, nevertheless, master, master, nevertheless, at thy word, we'll let down the net. Now, Jesus told him to let down the nets. Peter said, okay, I'll let down the net. Jesus had let down, plural, the nets. And Simon said, okay, I'll let down the net, one net. One net couldn't take care of it. And so when he let down the nets and began to pull the fish in, the Bible says the net began to break. And as that net began to break, they had to call James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to come and help. And they got so many fish that both ships began to sink. (laughs) That's a lot of fish. And when Simon saw that, he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus. And he said, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. O Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. And Jesus Christ said, fear not. How many know that that would be very, if nothing else, it would make you tremble all over when you've seen something so of such magnitude? And Jesus says to Simon, fear not. Take courage. When Simon said, I'm a sinner, depart from me, Jesus Christ said, uh-uh, not going to do it. Fear not. When Peter said, I'm a sinful man, O Lord, Jesus Christ, and he says, depart from me, Lord, Jesus, uh-uh, fear not. I've got a job for you. You feel insignificant. You feel like a sinner, and you are. You fall at my knees crying out, depart from me, O Lord. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus Christ says, no, 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 no. Fear not. I've got a job for you to do. Fear not. I've got work for you to do. Fear not. I've got the answer. I've got the blessing. And you just come and go with me, and I'll make you a fisherman of men. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And that was where Simon Peter got a great move of God in his life. That's when things turned around. Now, I want to pull out one more thing, and then we're going to be done. This will be a pretty short sermon. I want to pull out one thing. Mark chapter 1, verse 19, and Matthew chapter 4, verse 21 says that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were mending their nets. They were mending their nets. Now, Peter was washing his net, but James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were mending their nets. And we as a church need to learn the beautiful blessing that God gives us to wash our nets. God don't want dirty nets. God wants us to be in a... A, a clean church. God wants us to be a holy church. God wants us to smell like holy fish. And I'm not talking about holy mackerel. There's no such thing as holy mackerel. But I used to hear people say holy mackerel. There's no such thing as holy mackerel. Then other people say holy cow. There's no such thing as a holy cow. Then others say, well, good grief. There's no such thing as good grief. But we as a church should always wash our nets. When we're not fishing, wash the nets. When you're not busy, 
wash the nets. When you're not in church, wash your net. Handheld net, fishing pole, get it all together, get your gear together. When you're not fishing, gear up the fishing pole, wash the net, cleanse the net, prepare and repair the net. One thing about a drag net and even a hand net is they'll get on snags, they'll snag on a rock or get on snags on a twig or something, and it'll rip the net. And the sons of Zebedee were there mending their net. So when you're not fishing, mend the net. When you're not busy, when you're not in church, wash the net. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mend the net. Saturday, mend the net. Sunday, mend the net. Wash the net. Be ready for Jesus to say, launch out into the deep. Let down your net for a big catch. Get ready for one huge, miraculous fishing trip. Amen. Now let's look at this mending the net for a minute. When the net would get tears in it, they would use part of an old net and they would work the older net into the new net. Actually, they'd work the old net into the old net. And they would take what they had and they would repair the rips or the tears in their fishing net. And we need to be constantly mending our nets at Ozark Full Gospel Church. So what does that mean? Well, keeping the church clean. Keeping the bathrooms clean. That's part of mending the net. Helping people in need, that's part of mending the net. I believe our church is an extremely friendly church. I believe we are a vocal church. I believe we are a church that believes God's word. But there's some room for improvement for all of us. When visitors walk into this room, you need to buzz around them like honeybees around honey. Because what you're doing when you get around visitors and say, we're glad you're here and you find out their name and you spend time with them and you show them you appreciate them coming to the house of God, you're mending your net. You're keeping the net of our church strong. When a visitor walks in here, go to them. Say, we're glad you're here. I know it's hard. You come rushing in. On Sunday morning, you're in a hurry. You just barely get here alive, and you sit down exhausted. You get in the church, and you're wore out, and the last thing you want to do is walk across one end of the church to the other end of the church and say, whew, glad you're here with the visitor. But you know that's part of mending the net. Always, always try my best to get around and greet the visitors and say hi to them, but Visitors seem to feel like, well, the pastor comes and says hi to me. He gets paid to do that. Not much. But anyway. But, you know, it's different when the church moves to visitors and say, look, we're glad you're here. We, we need to show them that we appreciate them and we care for them. We're mending the net. 
Young people, when a young person comes into this auditorium, uh, a young age, go to that young person that come into the church and show them that they're not alone and, and, and maybe offer to sit with them if it's proper. Sit with them and say, uh, let's spend some time while be be with you in church. That's all washing and mending the net. Amen. Because... If we don't mend the net by courtesy and hello, we're glad you're here, we love you, and we show them attention, you've left a hole in the net for them to slip through. And when we bring the net in, they won't be in it. See, it isn't just preaching. It's living a red-hot life for Jesus Christ. I love it when Jerry's at the front door and he greets people as they come in. Amen? Now, Gary's the, uh, Jerry's the guy that I want to see when I first show up. If I don't know anybody coming into church, Jerry is the guy I want to see because he's nice. Amen? I've got some folks in here. I wouldn't post you at the door because you're not nice. Come on in. We're glad to have you, I think. Well, Jerry isn't that way. He's excited to see you. He's thrilled about it. And that's washing nets. That's mending the net. That's getting it. See, the altar call doesn't begin when I quit preaching. The altar call begins the minute they drive up in this drive. In fact, the altar call begins before they ever drive into this parking lot. The altar call begins when they decide they're coming to this church. When they decide God draws them to church, the altar call begins. In the parking lot, at the front door, in the church, in the music, in the preaching, in the helping, in the caring, that's the altar call. The whole church is an altar call. We're here to draw people to Jesus Christ. Amen. So if someone pulls into the church, their first-time visitor, they're getting ready to park in your parking spot, and you beat it around and beat them out of it, that's leaving a rip in the net. Hello? Or you walk in and someone's sitting in your seat and you walk up to them and go. And they said, did I do something wrong? Shoot me. That's leaving a rip in the net. Amen? Wouldn't hurt you to sit somewhere else. If you sit different places once in a while, you confuse me. That'd be good. Amen? Hello? Some of you need to really shock me. Instead of sitting in the back row, sit in the front row. Amen? And some of you that's always sitting in the front row, scoot over to the side and then just tell some folks, hey, the pastor wants to see you on the front row. Maybe you shouldn't do that. That's a rip in the net. But anyway, when Jesus Christ stood there and he was sharing the word with the people, and they were pushing him into the water. There was an altar call taking place, but it wasn't just for the people. It was for Simon. And behind Simon and the ship was a bunch of fish coming in. 
that would be an illustration and a type and a symbol of humanity. We need to be fisher, fishers of men, fishers of ladies. Amen? And God's Word will attract. I say God's Word will attract. And so when you're at home, meet someone, you've got one of them little hand nets. Just flip it out there and pull them in. If you're not very good at one of them little hand nets to throw out there and just suck them in, grab you a gospel fishing rod and go after them. Amen? Now, don't put a grabbing hook on the end of it. Put a hook on the end with a good gospel message. Amen? So we need to always be fishing. We need to always be serving God. You see, the altar call consists of Jimmy in the freedom room drumming. The altar call consists of Judy or whoever's playing the piano. The altar call consists of the singers, the song leaders, the guitar players, the instrument workers. That's all part of the altar call. The preaching is part of the altar call. I wouldn't give you a dime for a church that doesn't have altar calls. Churches need to uh, invite people to come to Christ, and people need to know that they, it's more than just sitting in church. We've got to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When someone walks in here and we tell them, you know what, you go, go up into the courtesy room. You can get you a cup of coffee, hot chocolate, bottle of water, and, and it's all free. We don't have a Starbucks up there. We don't have a subway. Everything that we have in that room is free. That's all geared for the altar call. Everything's for the altar call, to reach out to people, to show them that they're welcome, to show them they're part of the family, to show them that they're more, than, they're more important to us than anyone else. They are important to us. That's part of the altar call. And we need to learn that great truth, and that's called mending your nets. That's called washing your nets so that when the altar call, when the dragnet comes in, we don't have any holes in the midst of it where they slip out away from us. Amen? Now, this has been kind of a pastoral sermon. You understand that. And maybe some of you like it, and maybe some of you don't. But it's just part of the altar call. So I don't like it. Well, you must have a tear in your net. Let's mend it. Amen? Mend the nets. Wash the nets. And I think it's so interesting, at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, he calls laborers to work together, and there is a massive catch of fish in his first miracle, a massive amount of catch in his first miracle. He's sitting in the boat. He's sitting in the, in the ministry. He's sitting in the church. He's here. But at the end of this great massive catch in John 21, He's not sitting in the boat. He's standing on the shores. Just as Jesus ever liveth to stand in the heavens to make intercession for you and I. 
Jesus stands in the shores. And he's telling you, bring them in. Bring them in. Don't just bring a few in. Bring the nations in. Bring the people in to me, the resurrected Son of God. Isn't that beautiful? And then I love the other part in Matthew 17. I'm not going to get into my sermon, but Matthew chapter 17, the last miracle. Uh, Peter's fishing with a rod, fishing rod. And you know what we see there? We see that God provides. Well, we work for God, God provides. And fishing is fun. And he provides for us while we have fun. He provides for us. Just as he provided for Peter and for himself to take care of the temple taxes. And by the way, the temple taxes, don't miss, I don't want to get into my sermon Sunday, but I can't resist saying this. The temple taxes was to take care of the, ta- the temple. It was for the mending of the nets in the temple. The temple taxes was actually for the mending, for the upkeep, for the priest, the upkeep for the temple. It was, that's why it was called temple tax. To take care of things. Isn't that beautiful? And by the way, the temple tax was not required. It was simply a free thing. God never commanded it in the Old Testament. He did command the people. That, I'm not going to say Sunday morning come. I'm done. Sunday morning come. Amen. Same place, different time. Show up. And show up with a net that doesn't have a hole in it. And show up with a net that's clean. Stand with me, Josh. Come and bring a song. See, I wanted to hear the rest of that. You'll have to show up Sunday morning. And if the Lord returns before next Sunday morning, it won't matter to you anyway. Amen? It won't matter to me. Lord comes. Wouldn't it be beautiful if the Lord came right now? I mean, that'd be awesome. Amen? I'd like for the Lord to come any, any day, any moment, Life went good at night, day, morning, any time. But, it, but if, you know, it would be so cool if he'd show up on Sunday night during church time. Or even Wednesday night. Amen? So cool. So blessed. Amen. Josh, go ahead and give an invitation. Drag, let's pull in the net. Amen?